And as I was walking out, Dennis Hopper, I remember him just sitting there like, oh, shit, who's this kid? Right. And as I was walking out, I lifted my head, I go, hey, good to meet you. And I walked out and he was like, what the f watch the world series hey folks brian lally hollywood native here and you're about to watch another it's like we're at a steve miller concert you guys are just shouting it out i'm sitting here as usual with my partner in crime the man who made it all happen scott williams scott how are you today i am great brian how are you i'm fantastic never been better who do we have on today's show today brian we have a great guest Rick Tayus. Rick Tayus, yeah. Rick Tayus is a hell of a guy, man. He's got a great story that you're going to want to hear. Rick Tayus was born in Oakland, California, made it down to UCLA, decided to become an actor. At 17, he went to the set of General Hospital, started his first day with Rick Springfield on Rick Springfield's first day. Rick then made it to Lambda in England, Studied acting there, came back, was an actor, became a, a producer, writer, director. And what he's got going on right now is A Million Miles Away, starring Michael Pena. Now, that is based on the book From Farmer to Astronaut by Jose Hernandez. And Rick will tell the story of how he found the book, acquired the rights. And after going to one studio, they went to another studio and the movie got made. It's coming out on Amazon Prime. It's a great story and a great movie, and there's a whole lot to tell in between there, and Rick's going to tell it to you. What's up? Hey, what's up, man? I got to leave this on. Sorry, guys. I travel next week, so. There you go. Going to Mexico. Nice. Don't want to. Just yeah, positive. Yeah. So were you born in Danville? No, I was born in Oakland. Oh, okay. Oakland, California. Yeah. Yeah, 1962. Yeah. Oh, shit. Raised in Hayward. Okay. Home to... The Rock. Oh, yeah. Rock yeah. group in Hayward. And I just found out that Mahershala went to Mount Eden High School, which is right down the street from my house. Oh, that's funny, so, man. Yeah. Hayward's kind of becoming famous now. Yeah, right? I guess. Yeah. Those are a couple yeah. of stars. Yep. So you're keeping up. You're leading the way. Oh, well. You're you know, leading the way. I don't know about that, but I'm trying to when, follow. When did you know you wanted to act? Mm. Was that your first love, acting? I know. Yeah, it was. When I was in high school, um, it's funny, I had these two girls that used to leave messages in my, um, locker. Yeah, not in your inbox. No, no, my, my, I didn't have an inbox <laughs> at that time. And it said, you should be on TV. And I was like, okay. I never really thought about it. And they said that their teacher's mom worked for General Hospital. And they knew that I was going to UCLA. I, I had been accepted and I was going down to Los Angeles to go to school at UCLA. And so uh, I agreed to talk to the teacher. So I talked to the teacher and he said, well, when you get down to LA, call my mom. And I'm like, okay. So I got down to LA and um, I called this woman up and she took my call because, you know, obviously her son said something and she's like, well, you know, it's not a good time right now. Did I call back in a week or so? So I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. And I forgot all about it. And I'm at UCLA doing my thing. And what were you studying in UCLA? Well, I was a freshman, so I was, you know, I didn't have a major. I was just, yeah. I started UCLA and I rushed a fraternity. So Southern Cal women. Right. So I was busy. I, didn't, I wasn't thinking about school. Did they have Dylans in Westwood at that time? The uh, disco? Yeah, I think so. That was yep. a big fucking yep. deal, yep. man. Yep. Run by the mob, I hear. 
<laughs> a lot of cocaine going through Dylan's Exactly. So eventually I called her and she said, uh, let, me, let me put you through to Skitch Henderson, I think his name was, the casting director. Right. And so he says, well, why don't you come in and we'll talk? So I went in and at that time I, I went to these offices. And so, you know, we go in, we talk and he's like, all right. Was it know. on Prospect at the time? Yeah. And it was on Gower, like oh, off okay. of Gower, okay. somewhere on Gower Studios. Long story to make it even longer. He's like, well, I don't know, maybe you can be an intern, you know, or something uh, like on, you know, extra work. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I go home. And by the time I get home, my fraternity brother's yelling outside the window, Deus, Deus, the guy from ABC's on the phone. I'm like, what? And I walk in and he goes, somebody called in sick on Monday. Can you be here on Monday? And I'm like, yeah, bring a suit. And he didn't say scrubs, but something else. I can't remember what it was. I'm like, okay, great. So now, Monday I show up, and I pull up to Sunset Gower Studios. Right. Now, I've never been around television. I don't, I, I, the, the box, would, I, I, I don't know what I was thinking, but I show up, and I go through these gates, and I'm like, this is kind of cool, like, like stages and stuff like that. And then I go downstairs, and they tell me to go to the stages, and they, you know, and I go down, and I'm like, kind of like in this, where there's there's like, you know fake walls and there's like a, a hospital and people are running around and i walk up to the director and he's doing a thing and he's like okay uh go to the green room and I, so i'm looking for a green room <laughs> i'm like where's the green room and, and the guy's like no, no no it's not a green room it's that's the room right there and i'm like oh, okay so i so i Who go knew? yeah Who exactly knew? he said go to a green room i'm like i'm fucking looking for a green room <laughs> so then i I go and I put my clothes down and I go to the green room and there's all these people sitting around and they're eating and they're talking and I'm just kind of, and there's this good looking dude, he's a young guy sitting there. I don't know who he is and I don't know anybody in this room and it's now two o'clock and it's, we're eating, it's lunchtime and they watch General Hospital. Now you gotta remember at the time, General Hospital was Luke and Laura, sure. the biggest thing in the country. I know. I mean, every freaking fraternity, you would just walk at two o'clock and you could hear the TV sets going, right. Luke and Laura. Right. So, is that more important? <laughs> G Money? I guess so. What's up, brother? I'm on the podcast right now. You're on the podcast. You'll be sitting in the guest seat soon. But uh, I like to answer the phone. Rick was right in the middle of telling a hell of a story. And I was like, gee, money's on the phone. Let yeah, we got to pick that up. We got to pick it up. So <laughs> what's up, man? Hey, man. Uh, I'm just in town. Uh, oh. Until Monday, so I'd love to get together at some point if you're around. You, you coming out here to the podcast? Anytime, anytime you're available. All right, I'm going to get back to this, and I'm going to call you later. I'm glad I picked up. All right, man. Love you, too. All right. Graham Elwood, everybody. Graham Elwood. All right. All right. So. Where the fuck was I? Uh, oh, lunch. Everybody was eating. Luke and Laura. Right. All so, the fraternities so, were. Great. So th this was a huge deal. Now, I never watched soap, so I have no clue who these people are. So now the TV set's going. The, the credits start rolling, and it's slowly dawning on me that everybody in this room is on that TV show. <laughs> and I'm like, that's her, that's him. 
like, holy shit, these are real people. Right. Now, I didn't realize that actors were like real people. I thought it was like, I don't know what I thought. I thought it was a box and they were fake people. They weren't real. They weren't right. like alive. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, I'm in the middle of the biggest show yeah. of daytime soaps. And that guy who I walked up to and asked, hey, you want to play chess? And he was like, no, no, no. I'm like, okay. Didn't want to upset him. It was Rick Springfield. And it's his uh, first, uh, it was his first day. Dr. Dr. Drake something. Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Rick Drake, Drake, think, Drake yeah. whatever his name was. And he and I end up in an elevator together. And he comes out for his first scene on the show. And I'm the orderly behind him. Right. Well, shit, I caught the bug, man. That was it. After that, I came back to UCLA and I was fired up. And I was like, I got to find a theater department. And so luckily at the time, my brother had a, um, a fraternity brother up at Berkeley whose best friend went to school at UCLA. And he was in the theater department. The guy whose name is Jeff Rivas. And so Jeff and I became quick buddies. And he just kind of helped me kind of shepherd shepherd along. And that's how I kind of got started. Is wow. is that way? It's like awesome. oh, because wow. it was just too much fun, dude. And you know, once you start there, you're like you keep trying to get the high of being on the set. So, what year did Jesse's Curl come out? That, well, oh, so that day, that day, okay, he walks out of the elevator. Yeah. It it goes. I figure out his name is Rick Springfield. Da, 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 da. I get in my car. I'm driving down Sunset Boulevard to go home back to UCLA, and all of a sudden on the radio. It was like, we got this new thing, da, 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 Rick Springfield, Jesse's girl. And all of a sudden started singing. I'm like, wait a minute. That's the guy I was just in the elevator with. And I was, I just, it never dawned on me who this guy was. Dude, until that, then. That's incredible, yeah. man. So that's You're how I started. Teenager. <laughs> I was 17 years old. Yeah. Rick Springfield yeah. had done everything for you. That's right. <laughs> Uh, that's crazy. So man. that's how I got the bug. And so then I, you know, and at the time, I, when I was in line to eat, I asked one of the actors, I'm like, hey, how do I do this for a living? <laughs> and he said, go study the theater. Yeah. And I was like, the theater. He's like, yes, go study. And I was like, okay. So I went back to UCLA, went straight to the drama department and started signing up for everything that I could sign up for. That's fucking wild. That's how I got involved, man. So you and James, here I am. You and James Dean. (laughs) Right. You skipped the Santa Monica college part, but you're at the UCLA drama department. That's right. Yep. Yep. I went to school with um, Shane Black, who wrote Sure. uh, Lethal Lethal Weapon. Weapon. Yeah, man. Shane and Jeff Rivas were roommates. Uh, I went to school with Tim Robbins. Oh, wow. We went to school with Grant Show, who was an uh, actor. Yeah, yeah, Melrose Place. Melrose Place. Yeah. Went to school with Daphne Zuniga, who okay. was in my shop class. Right. As young actors. And who else? There was, there's a bunch. Aronson, a bunch of actors. that, And I remember um, after Tim graduated school they started this little theater group called our gang the actors gang the actors gang yeah the actors gang i remember seeing them in a theater downtown la it was kind of like this and you just walked over drunks to get in and it was tiny so my buddy jim terry who's good buddies with scott here ah the what's his name now chris does the props yeah yeah, Scott doesn't talk a lot. We're no. trying to involve him. Isn't that what, I, it, yeah, it is. He's off camera. I'm like, Scott? Yeah. yeah. Chris Bell. Chris Bell. No, but my buddy Jim was one of the originators of the Actors Gang downtown at Al's Bar. Yep. 
That's crazy, man. Yeah, I didn't Jeff know. Jeff Foster and a bunch of guys. Some of them working on like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Big, big, big guys. Yeah. Uh, wild, wild. Rick with a mustache. Ever... We had no idea. Yeah. yeah I, I... <laughs> this is what I look like. That's nice. nice. <laughs> wow, that's crazy, man. But the crazy thing to me is, as hard as it is to to make it in this business. You just mentioned a few people that worked. Uh, some of them were obviously Tim Robbins, star, director. But at that time, they weren't. No, no. At that I'm time, they were So students. many of them All got of to that level. Usually someone's coming from somewhere. And you're like, yeah, I had a couple people here. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? But you mm -hmm. mentioned like half a dozen actors that became known or more, six or seven. Sure. It's just, it just wild. The percentage that just came out of what you said. I'm like, well, all those people ended up working. A lot of them. I mean, there was a play uh, that I was in at UCLA that uh, the girl, I can't even remember the actress's name, but um, she was the lead in the play, and she's mad about you. Yeah. She played his sister, I okay. think it was, or whatever, but she works all the time. Um, a lot of people. A lot of people came out of UCLA in the in the 80s, early 80s. My buddy Jim Terry went down to Al's bar and he said, "I want to do theater here." And the guy owner was like, "Hey, we are, you know, we're a hardcore rock bar, and he yeah. goes, Why, I want to do theater here." And the guy goes, "Yeah, well, you know, no." And he goes, "We'll do it Sunday afternoon." The guy was like, "Okay." Mm. That's how it got started. Mm -hmm. That's how mm -hmm. you know beginning of the Actors Gang and out theater at Alice Bar. Alice Bar was a wild fucking punk rock club, and that was a dangerous place. You went down there at night. Yeah, no, it was scary. Yeah. You you literally <laughs> crawled over people to get in to see Tim Robbins play Oberon in one of the plays that he was doing. I remember yeah. jumping over these you know guys passed out and sitting in chairs like that. These airport you know old air you know movie theater yeah. chairs. And watch this little tiny plate of black when, box. When you went to Al's bar, you hoped to get a parking space near yes, the door. Yes, close enough. Yeah, yeah so you, you didn't have to walk, walk too far. That is the hippest part of downtown now. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Hewitt Street down there sure. is fucking. In the eighties, you didn't no, you go didn't down go there. Hang, hang out no. down there. You no. went to see a show, or you you know you went to see a punk rock show. I saw some shows down there. It was fucking nuts, mm -hmm. man. But the good thing was. That's back when I was drinking, so I was drunk all the time walking in there. You know, right, you, right. you weren't as worried, right? As you, you were. Care. But no, yeah, but that, and that's just wild, man. Yeah. That's a hipster place. That's crazy, yeah. man, that you were down there at that time. That's wild, yeah. man. Are you, uh, are you working on set throughout UCLA, or are you doing no. odd jobs as well? No, because I was lucky enough that during the summers, uh, my dad was my dad and my grandfather were both Teamsters in the Teamsters Union, so they at that time in Oakland, um, they had to let their kids in. The, the union was basically closed. They wouldn't, they wouldn't bring in new members, but... If you were a legacy, they would let you get your card. And so my brother and I both got our cards. And so for the summer, we would come and uh, work at Lucky's Market in the refrigerating department. And that's a whole other story that I can get into if you want. But um, we ended up working for the summer there and then being able to go to school full time. Nice. So that was lucky that we had that job. I'm very, very grateful to John because... It, it, Long story short, my brother got hired not knowing from a man who knew me and his and my little sister because I went we went to school with his kids and my brother was older he didn't know this and then when they found out John immediately took a liking to my brother and gave him a job and said you you come yeah, nice. and you work whenever you want and da 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 da, da. Mm -hmm. they used to call us CK college kids right hey CK what's up 
<laughs> did your brother have a career there or where'd your brother end up? No, no, no. He was working to go to Berkeley. Oh, okay. He was working summer jobs and then uh, uh, he graduated Berkeley and then went to Hastings Law School. So he put himself what? through law school. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Well, my brother lives in Orinda. My brother lives in Alamo. And my brother went to Hastings. Well, they probably know each other. How old's your brother? 63. My brother's a little older, but that's crazy. Your brother ever play rugby? No. Okay. Basketball. Hastings football. Basketball. Hastings rugby football club. My brother went to Dartmouth, and then he went to Hastings. My brother was recruited at Dartmouth to play basketball. That's insane. Ended up going I, to Santa Clara and playing with uh, Rambus. Rick Kurt Rambus? With Rambus. Yeah? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Wandale Theas. I had no guys. idea. Hastings School. Because yeah. my brother's right there. My brother's been there since uh, 84. Yep. Same. So. Same. Yeah. Yep. And I lived in the city. Oh, Mahershala went to St. Mary's right there in Orinda. Oh, right okay. There, right there. All right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Crazy. So. Did you go back to General Hospital ever? Or? No, no, that was the only time. That's that was insane. the only time. I went back years later as well, I was already on Loving as an actor. And so uh, Jeff, I can't remember the casting director's name, Hirschfield, Her- Her- Hirsch- Mark Teshner. Mark Teshner. Oh, okay. So Mark brought me in for I just some... auditioned for him for, um, well, on tape. Right. We're in COVID time. Right, but, right, yeah. right, right. But a friend of mine who was recurring on there, she coached me, Holly Gagne. Mm. She was recently on when Luke and Laura came back. What yeah. was it, five yep. years ago? Yep. yep, yep, She was one of the ones that kidnapped their kid or something. That, right. You know, anyway, but, yeah, so I coached her on that, and she coached me on this uh, latest thing. Wow. So we'll, we'll, well, one of the actresses on there now, Laura Wright, who's one of the main girls on that show, I think, right now, she, her and Carlos, I think, are a couple or something. Yeah. Laura was this young girl that came on our show, and she was pumping gas, and our casting director saw her and brought her on, and she's been on a soap since that time, since wow. 1991. I mean, she's been on so a long cool. time. So you started studying. Did you do you UCLA? Did, so did. I ended up, what ended up happening is, if you're not a theater major, you can only do so much. And I wasn't prepared to go in a hundred percent right i was like this is too much money and i had to figure out what major and i figured my brother's major would be easy so i i did economics so i got my econ degree oh my god economics so because i was good at math i I love math and i was like you know i did accounting and management and all that stuff and so i was an econ major so i got my econ econ class at santa monica college and I dropped out of it. If I was in there another, <laughs> another five minutes, I would have shoved my fist down my throat till I stopped breathing. Man, Brian, you know what I love doing? Yeah. I love tapping that subscribe button. Mmm. I love it too, son. And just like all your dates, I tap it last. But nothing's as good as tapping this button. You see Brian here, he's not always doing the best. Financially, mentally, physically, for sure. You want to help keep Brian off the streets of Hollywood? There's a way you can help. Join us on Patreon. You want to tell him what we got on there, buddy? Yes, we have the general admission, we have the backstage, and we have the VIP all-access pass. So please, join today. I'm due for a bath. In the arms of the <laughs> angel, I'm away from here. 
That was my experience with economics. Obviously, it worked out for you. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to say, it helps me in my producing. Yeah? Yeah. Because I tell people about this all the time. I said, if you're going to be in this business, the first thing you have to learn is to manage your money. Yeah. <laughs> manage your money, man, because Not if you don't take care of the money, the money ain't going to take care of you. Yeah. So... So you did as much as you could. You never switched over. No, nope. you, you got I, your degree. I got my degree in econ. I graduated in '84. Uh, I didn't know what to do, where to start, and so I started looking for classes. Started looking for acting coaches, and I found this little uh, school on La Brea and Melrose called Estelle Harmon Actors Workshop. Oh, sure. And so sure. I went in uh, auditions. She put me in the beginner class. And I quickly went from that class to the professional class, which was probably not a good move because yeah. I was young and yeah. very scared. And all of a sudden I went from being the best in the class to like, holy shit, these people are working. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I've um, seen that because they ask you to do things that you're not prepared for. Yeah, just it's just There's, too much. It's right. like almost, you know, you learn how to play the piano and then it's like, okay, go start studying with Chopin. And you're like, fuck, man. I mean, right. I, I don't, I, I'm barely doing my scales. Right. And the problem with being a quick learner is that you tend to jump too quickly to the next level and right. when you're not ready. Right. And it really hampered me. Um, yeah. Because I was really scared. Yeah. I mean, I was not. I, and so, I, you know, I always said to myself, I wish I would have gotten more training. I would have gotten more sure. training. And I eventually, because this was like in 1985, and then in 86 is when I met Benita, my wife. Oh, shit. I didn't is know the that. Next, is the next year later. Oh, okay. And that changed my life and the trajectory because her older sister had gone to RADA. Oh, really? Yeah. She was this young Latina actress in Albuquerque, and Benita's mom started a theater company. In she Albuquerque? grew up in Albuquerque. Oh, cool. And her mom was like businesswoman of the year for the governor, and she was a doer, man. I, I love that woman. And she started this theater company, and so her family grew up in the theater. That's so One cool. of the people that she recruited was a graduate of RADA. Right. And so he would push the young actress, and my wife and her whole her brother, who's an actor now, Benito, yeah. and my, my producing partner. And so she ended up at 18 going to RADA and graduating and coming back and then being cast as the lead in uh, Three Amigos. Right. Wow. We had Pamela Dillman on here before. Mm. Pamela Dillman is a graduate of uh, RADA. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we ended up going to Lambda. Benita, me, and Benito. I didn't know you went to fucking Lambda. So I ended up going to Lambda. Oh, my God. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So after I met Benita, they had just finished the movie. It hadn't come out yet. Um, I I met her at a function I didn't really want to go to. My buddy, Jeff calls me and is like hey come down here there's casting directors and i'm like dude i don't want to care man he's like no just come on and then i walk in and i meet benita and benita and patrice and i was like whoa who are these two yeah. and they were the star of this movie and, you know and so patrice was the one who kept saying you should really think about going to london and right. i was like there's no way i'm gonna get in come on she goes i'll help you and so she worked on my uh, audition piece with me right and so we worked through one classical uh, drama sure. and one like restoration comedy right and so i got in wow and so i ended up going for a year and <clears throat> you had to go over there to, yeah to audition 
No, they hold auditions in New York and in LA. Okay. And so I auditioned for it. And at that time, I um, I was going out for some auditions. And one of the first things that I got cast in was this, was a movie called Colors with Sean Penn and Robert Duvall. Colors. Colors. And, that's right. Colors. And Dennis Hopper Colors. was the director. Now, I'm a, I'm a Mexican college graduate. Talking. Yeah. I'm a Mexican, you know, American, don't speak Spanish. I, I didn't even know I was Mexican until I moved to L.A. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really know I was Mexican until I moved to L.A. And then, um, because I, I grew up with a bunch of white guys in my high school and went to Catholic high school and never even, it never even came up until I came to L.A. And then they went, oh, you're Mexican. You only go out for these roles. And I was like, they're so against who I was. I was, a, you know, regular kid. And all of a sudden I'm being asked to play gang gangbangers. And I was like, shit, how do you do that? So I ended up um, um, going to uh, the penal system. Right. And I went to like a continuation school, but they were all locked up kids. Right. And they let me go in for this audition. I needed to find a character. Right. Right. And so... They Is let that me go what you in. Call it hall. I'm trying to think of the. It's uh, like um, the, what the, the 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 youth authority, right? The California youth of C C Y A California Youth Authority. Oh, okay. I remember walking in there, and the guy's like, "Okay, you have to sign this paper that if they take you hostage, there's no host hostage negotiations. So you kind of go at your own risk." And I'm like, "I'll be fine. I'll be fine." So I go in there and I sign, and I walk into this classroom, and they're all. White t-shirts and khaki pants. What's up, is he? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, hi guys, what's going on? You know? <laughs> and they're like, why are they gonna catch you, man? What they should catch me. I'm a movie star, you say. <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah, I don't know, man. And so I ended up going back in because I went in for the audition and he's like, It's not right. Go do your homework and come back. And then I, I did this and I came back and then I I got the part, and but actually that's not colors. It's a different movie, because what ended up happening is with the colors, I walked in totally choloed out, yeah. hair net, yeah. the whole thing, yeah. and I was pissed because I was late, and I walk in and I'm, I I just used it. I was like I was fucking pissed off, and I'm like, motherfuckers, what? And as I was walking out, Dennis Hopper, I remember him just sitting there like, oh shit, who's this kid? Yeah. And as I was walking out, I lifted my head, go, hey. And I walked out, and he was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then, he, so he hired me. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. So he hired me. That was my get Did on the- Did you work with Penn or Duvall, or- Yeah, I was behind Sean Penn when he smacked that guy, remember, when it was uh, on the boardwalk in Venice Beach? Yeah. And me and Robert Duvall and Dennis Hopper were sitting in our little thing watching the monitor. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there's this commotion happening. I look up, and Sean's hitting this extra because he's taking his picture. And I was like, oh, shit. And then there's a commotion behind us. And I'm like, what's going on here? And there's these two girls, Latin girls, are fighting. And then I come to find out that they were using real gang members in, yeah, this, in this movie. And they took the wrong gang into Venice Beach. Oh, they didn't use the Venice shit. Beach gang. They, didn't they use, use Ghost Town or No, B13. they used somebody else. So now these two girlfriends are fighting and now the boys are coming after us. And now, so, I, so Dennis looks to me and he goes, all right, Rick, go jump in the van. We're going to go do your scene down around the corner to get in there with your boys. So a bunch of us go walk to this van. We get in 
And these guys are freaked out. And I'm like, what's the matter? They go, dude, you almost got stabbed. I'm like, what? And he goes, you didn't see that guy standing right behind you? And I'm like, no. And he's like, he almost stabbed you. That's why we jumped in. And I was like, oh my God. So we get to the parking lot. I get out. I tell Dennis, shit's happening, man. I don't know if you're aware, but that car over there. Fucking there and they're, they were like, we shot our scene. I got in, took my shit off. I ran, put my college coats back on, <laughs> got back in my Nissan Datsun or whatever, and drove away. I'm like, I'm out of here. You know, we did uh, Me Familia mm. in uh, yes. Boyle Heights under the 4th Street Bridge, man. And it was one Friday night where that shit yep. almost jumped off. And They uh, don't care if you're making a movie, man. Well, it's no, like you're they, in my neighborhood. But yeah. they hired the uh, OGs from White Fence as security, which meant the young guys were supposed to respect them and not fuck up the shoot. Mm. But it was one hot Friday night, man. And the shit was about to go down. And I heard something that I heard growing up mm -hmm. where I used to get fucking jumped. Uh, a chick would walk up to you and she'd be like, why are you looking at me? Or no, no. She wouldn't say nothing. She'd walk up to you right in front of you. And she'd turn around and say, he said he don't like Mexicans. So the dudes get up and they walk over oh, and they man. go, Ole, Holmes, you don't like Mexicans? If you say. I didn't say that. You say she's a liar? Yeah. Oh, she's lying now. She, huh? She's yeah. like, you calling my girl a liar, Holmes? Right. I'm like, no, 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 no. So you did say it. No, I didn't say it. Well, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Right, right. So we're there. It's hot in the neighborhoods, you know, heated up, you know, mm -hmm. fucking mentally. The temperature's going up. And all of a sudden, this girl screams, what's wrong? You say you don't like Mexicans? Oh, man. And I was like, you know, I got PTSD. I'm yeah. Thinking, I'm I'm about to get it from somebody, man. And we went to lunch. You know, it was all night shoot, seven a.m. to seven, seven p.m. to yep. seven a.m. Yep. We went to lunch in this backyard. You know how it is? They rent people's properties, sure. which is really good for the neighborhood. Yeah, they make and, some money. Right. We rent and we come out. Silence. Mm. Everybody's gone. Mm. So I guess the the OGs did their part. They did it. You know, because they paid them good money. Right. To like, stand around. And I talked to a couple of those guys anyway. That shit is fucking crazy when it starts going like that, when you're shooting in those neighborhoods. Because Venice was fucking crazy back then, man. Venice yes. was not, they were not putting up condos back no, then. No, They had, you know, the projects in Venice, you know this, the ones east of, um, of um, uh, Lincoln are now $2,000 a month, $2,500 a month, one-bedroom yes. apartments. Mm -hmm. And that was the fucking dope spot. Sure. You know what I mean? That's crazy. Yep. Anyway. Yep. That's nuts, man. Yeah. Well, I so. did that movie and I did Fatal Beauty with Whoopi Goldberg. Okay. And the reason I bring that up is because when, after we did those two movies, the parts were both gangbangers and I was like, I got to go get an education because this is not what right. I want to be doing for the rest of my life. And so that's when I auditioned and we got into Lambda. And at the time, people were like, but you're, you're working. Why are you leaving? And I said, because I need, because I know me. If I try to do this in LA and I get a job, I'm going to go do the job. I'm not going to get trained. Right. And so I left. We threw a party because we didn't have any money. How are we going to pay this Lambda? And Whoopi Goldberg write it, wrote us a check for a couple hundred bucks to you know donate for Benita and R to go to, go to school. That's insane, man, yeah. Lambda. So what was it like being uh, in London? Well, what I didn't realize is that a lot of these people were theater actors and theater um, um, graduates of their colleges. And this was post for them. And I was 
I was intimidated because, A, I remember, I'll find it later, um, reading Hamlet. We were all sitting around reading Hamlet, and we do the first act. The teacher gets up and goes, oh, isn't that brilliant? And I was like, I have no fucking idea what we just read. <laughs> and these people are talking as if they understood exactly what they were reading. Right, right. And I had no clue. And I was like, oh, my God, what did I get myself into? So I stuck it out, um, and uh, when I got back to L.A., um, I don't know how I got into this audition, but I got this audition that changed the trajectory of my life. And um, I walk in, and I meet this woman named Mary Ellis Bunham and John Murray, and they're two producers that had just gotten together, and they were doing this show, uh, kind of like an improv kind of thing, where the you... You, you tell the actors kind of what the story arc is, but you kind of find it yourself and you get from A to B. I didn't get that part. The show didn't go, but then they ended up casting me in this other kind of soapy kind of show that they did. I walked in and she's like, where have you been? And, you know, because this, this is the final callbacks. And I right. said, well, I just got back from London. And they're like, wow, you know, we've been looking for someone like you. So they cast me and... Um, uh, the show, I was on the front page of the LA Times, there's a big old picture of me and this girl, and um, I'm like, fuck, this is great, this is gonna, you know, change it, and the show didn't get picked up. And yeah. we're like, oh, man, and then, you know, months go by, and I meet our boys, and I'm playing baseball, and softball, and then I get a call from Mary Alice, and she says, hey, Rick, I'm in New York now, I had to take this job. Uh, I'm now the executive producer of Loving on ABC. Jesus, man. Would you like to be on a soap? And I was like, let me check my schedule. Uh, <laughs> yes. Because I was waiting tables. I was working at the Velvet Turtle. I was working at the Red Lobster. And, you know, waiting on Muhammad Ali. Right. Waiting on Tommy Chong. And I was like, man, I want to get in this business so bad, you know. And so... Was the Velvet Turtle on third? The Velvet Turtle was right off of Sepulveda and like oh, okay. uh, Olympic. It right came there. up on Facebook yesterday, the Velvet the Turtle. The Velvet That's Turtle. So really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Rivas, my buddy Jeff, was working there and got me a, a waiting job there. Right. She goes, I got to put you through these auditions. So we show up and everybody that I've seen and all the auditions are all there. And, you know, they're all working. And I'm like, shit, here we go again. And I'm the only one that's flown to New York right. for a screen test. And that's where I did my screen test. I'm sitting there, you know, looking at you know, Central Park and going, well, how the fuck did I get here, man? And so then I get signed to a three-year contract. You've been watching Brian Lally, Hollywood Native. Now I want to talk to you about something I'm really passionate about, and that's teaching acting. So I co-founded Lola's Acting School with my son, Kyle Lally, Lally or Lally Acting School. I've been acting for a, a long time now, of 100 plus credits on IMDb, hundreds of plays I've been involved with over the years. And I just wanna share that experience with you. What we do differently here at Lola's is we give you practical advice that you can use on a movie set, on a play, an audition, anywhere. We give you the foundation to build yourself as a great actor. If you come to us, you don't know anything we can teach you everything you need to know to be comfortable on a, on a set and to excel. Don't just listen to me. Look at what our students are doing. Daryl Wesley, who is writing on two hit shows, The Game and The Upshaws, and Ben Barrett, 
who is a series regular on The Politician, Megan Davis, who is uh, playing Amber Heard in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard story. Come check us out. We're at the Historic Arc Theater in the NoHo Arts District. You ever want to try plant-based eating? I have. What, you're a little confused, overwhelmed, you don't know how to get started? Definitely. Well, there's a simple answer to that. Go to Debbie Chu's Chew On Vegan YouTube channel. Debbie Chu is a plant-based RN. I've known Debbie for over 38 years, and she's very good at what she does. You go to the channel, and there's 300, over 300 recipes. They're simple, easy to make, and they're delicious. If you want to try it, you just might get healthy. Give it a shot. Chew on vegan. Wow. And then I moved to New York. Right. Benita, you know, stays in L.A. I moved to New York. And um, uh, that's when my soap opera stuff started. Are you married at this point? No. We're no. boyfriend and girlfriend. We ended up breaking okay. up for 10 years. Oh, oh wow. shit. And then we got back together in 2000. So we've been back together 22 years. But wow. total, we've known each other since 1985. Wow. So we were together for like five years and then broke up and then got back together. Nice. So were you on the full three years? No. So what happened was this was in February of 1990. So then like around September, Mary Ellis calls me and says, um, and at this time I'm bugging her to get into the control room because I want to be a director. So I'm like, hey, how do I uh, shadow the directors? And she's like, well, I don't even know if I knew what the word shadow meant. Yeah. Right. So how do I follow the directors? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, well... I don't know, because they, they kind of chime a little negatively about the actors sometimes in the studio. They don't want actors to hear. <laughs> so I was like, you know, she goes, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But I never got to do that because she called me in September and said, um, I'm going back to L.A. And I was like, what happened? And she goes, well, John and I uh, sold the show to MTV. And I now John is a news producer. Mary Ellis was a soap opera producer. She started doing soaps, answering the telephone at the front desk at 19 and ended up being the executive producer by the time she was 26. Uh, she was the boss. And so you put those two things together, news cameras and soap operas. What do you get? Reality shows. Right. So she said, we sold the show to MTV and... Uh, I go, well, what is it? And she goes, well, we're going to take these kids and we're going to put them in a house and we're going to follow them around with cameras. And I was like, hmm, sounds interesting. I don't know if it's going to work, but okay. Well, so she leaves. Jackie Babbin comes in, Babbitt comes in, and I'm on for another six months. And then she says, you know what? Uh, Rena's not renewing her contract. She's going to go do some movies. So we're going to let your cat, your character go but they had to pay me for the next six months right so i was still on payroll for six months and so i just enjoyed new york for another year and then i moved back to la and then i ended up working for mary ellis as a, i caught a call to be in production and so then that's when i veered to the left and started working in production right but you did some other TV shows, one-hour dramas or sitcoms. Yeah, I mean, a bunch of stu guest stuff in that right. year. You know, right. and in New York, I did a off-Broadway show. Um, what was it called? Lake Street Extension. And what theater was in it? Uh, Signature Theater Company. Okay. That's when um, Albert Albee, is that what his name is? Edward Albee? Edward Albee, Albee. yeah, the uh, story. What's his name was doing the play? Who's afraid Ed, of Virginia uh, Norton, Wolf? Norton, oh. what's his name? Uh, Ed, Ed Norton. Ed Norton, the actor. He was a young actor doing that show when we were doing ours as well. Um, his his 
show followed ours. And then I also in New York auditioned for this theater company that ended up becoming John Ortiz and uh, Seymour Hoffman's company. Oh, shit. Before Seymour Hoffman got involved, it was all Latino actors. Right. And they auditioned to everybody, and I was asked to join. And I was only in it for like a few months with you know, Giancarlo Esposito oh, and fuck. all uh, these guys. I mean, these he's guys... He's the most underrated actor in Dude, Hollywood. these were like big time dudes, yeah. you know. He's the most non-talked about to me great actor in, in Hollywood, Giancarlo sure. Yeah, Esposito. no, but him and Paul Calderon and um, John Ortiz, um, talk about being intimidated. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. was like, oh my God, these people are so freaking good. And we would do theater games, you know, and you yeah. just get up and go. You, right, and, right. and you're like, you're with the best of the best. And after I left, I guess John was friends with uh, Hoffman. And so they ended up bringing him in and then they got partners with the public and started, and it got much bigger. Right. But by that time I was gone already. Right. And right. Moved to LA. Right. So you go back to LA and you're, it's your first, uh, go as a producer? Yeah, well, what happened was a guy named Matt Kunitz, who's an EP and does like Wipeout, his, is one of his big shows. Um, he was an, he was a, Mary Ellis's assistant for a long time and they ended up giving him a show to produce and I was his production coordinator. Okay. And that's how I got in to the company. And then once you get in, we joke because Butte Murray was like, you know, reality uh, film school. Right. You just, mm -hmm. that's how you learn. They just moved you around. Right. You know, once they liked you, you're just like, well, why don't you go work in post? Why don't you go work in the writing department? Right. Why don't you go work over here? So I worked all the jobs. And so I want to get back to exactly where you're at now, but I just wanted to talk about New York being a theater town mm. and your experience, my experience doing off Broadway and walking around Soho or, or Chelsea and sure. stuff and, and people recognizing you. You know, sitting out having lunch on the sidewalk and going, hey, man, I like the show. It was just a great vibe as a theater town to me. Did you experience any of that? Sure, yeah. It's funny because I would be recognized by elevator operators right. everywhere I went, man, because they all watch soap operas. Right. So they all knew that I'd walk by and all of a sudden I'd hear, hey, Rio. And I'd look <laughs> and I'm like, hey, what's up? <laughs> so, it was, yeah, cool. it's fun. It's a great town. It's, it's the hard, you know, it's a hard town. Right you know right but it's it was fun so you got into production you're you're moving from gig to gig and, and i'm still acting i'm still sort of doing some stuff i'm still kind of you know mary Ellis would let me go on auditions but eventually it got to the point where you needed to make a decision do you still want to like because now i wanted to direct she made me go into the writing department write a whole season before they let me direct a season i was more in charge of the creative development of a show you know, because they'd say, what are we going to do and where are we going? And then I would make the idea of kind of what we're going to do that season. And then they would, you know, refine it. And then we'd go to MTV and say, okay, this is what we want to do. And I'm like, okay, go shoot it. I did that for eight years. Right. Traveled around the world. I mean, literally around the world. One season we went, we started in Cuba and ended up in Seattle on a boat, on a ship. Right. The what ship the whole time? Road Rules. Road Rules. It's called Road oh, Rules. Nice. Yeah. You were on the ship the whole time? The whole time. What happened was the season before, what happened, I don't know, are you familiar with road rules and how it works? Yeah. Okay, yeah. at the end of the season, if the kids do all of the challenges, they right. get these prizes. Well, one season they got semester at sea. And I'm like, what the hell is semester at sea? Well, it's exactly what it is. It's a semester at sea. If you're in college, instead of going to France and studying over there for a, a semester, you could get on a boat and travel around the world 
and you go to classes and it's a school right. but in a ship right it's for rich kids i right. didn't have twenty five thousand dollars right to, to put down on this but um they decided well instead of uh giving it as a prize why don't you have the cast be part of the ship and be students and so that season um they were part of the the school right and we filmed them as they went around the world right it wasn't a great season in that you know content wise but for the crew it was fantastic yeah oh, yeah. oh yeah. it was great so my all-time favorite reality show honest to god is the surreal life okay well that's now that's... you became a celebrity me yeah when i realized that that was your show that was my show yeah yeah so yeah. i just so like, Go, go ahead. ahead. Go, no, I was just going to say, my partner and I met at Buna Murray, and we became a partnership, and we started coming up with ideas, and we ended up um, uh, signing with UTA. They facilitated partnering us up with this guy named Mark Cronin, and we kind of just sat around and just threw a bunch of ideas, like, you know, uh, let's do this, or, you know. And one of the commercials that was on at the time, I guess, was uh, Florence Henderson making... Uh, stovetop right. stuffing with right. Mr. T. Right. <laughs> and we were like, well, what if that was real? Right. What if like the next morning, what would they talk about? Right. And so we came up with this idea for this show and we ended up selling it called The Surreal Life. And we did two seasons on the WB and it did really well. But the WB at that time, their audience was young, mm -hmm. really young. And so people would come watch a show and then leave. And so it wasn't helping them. So they let it go, which at the time was like the worst news ever. But it was eventually ended up becoming the best thing ever because right. we moved over to VH1. Right. And VH1 at that time was nothing. It was just music, you know, like stuff. I don't even know what it was, but um, it ended up becoming a massive hit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And filmed at one of my all-time favorite Los Angeles homes. At the get Glen Campbell. Glen Campbell yeah. Estate. Mm -hmm. Right below the... Uh, the tower. Right below the tower, whatever yeah. the fuck that is. Uh, but they got a tower up there in this I day know, and age. I so, know. Yeah. Yeah. With that, yeah, with the horse property. And mm -hmm. I was remodeling a house up on the street right below it. And what was his name's wife? Nellie? Billy? You know. I don't remember. She came out on the yeah. horses with the kids. Yeah. And like, yeah. You know, yeah. we're off of Mulholland Drive. These are million-dollar houses. And this estate was... At that time, multi-million dollars. Sure. Probably worth 20 million nowadays. Yeah, because it's a lot huge, of land, too. Yeah, yeah, so. huge piece of property. And all of a sudden, these gates come, come opening up, and, and they're coming out on the horses. We're like, what the fuck <laughs> is this going on up here? But, yeah. It's so, got that big old gate that opens up. Yeah, and goes down. Yeah. yeah. What are some of your stories out of that place because there was some there was some you know kooks on that in a good way you know well you know what's interesting is the show took a weird turn in that you know it was mostly designed initially to be like you know a way to get to know somebody like i know you from the press and i know you from the press but i don't know who you are right i only know what i read about you right and so what was interesting for me was how people came in with preconceived ideas of each other and then you're nothing like what the right. press right. makes you out to be mm -hmm. and that to me was interesting right and eventually i think with reality is once people became professional reality people they started to, to manufacture things or let things get overblown more than what normal 
because you figured when you got mad, all those cameras just went right, and you went, oh, yeah, they can yep. mold that mold that image how they want more. Yeah, yeah. So, but you gave Flavor Flavor another career. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got a lot of people. I mean, you know, at that time, I remember when we were selling it. We, I remember sitting at NBC, and they say, "You'll never cast this." And we're like, well, just give us some money and we'll do it. We'll try. And you know, and the WB, uh, they ended up saying, okay, let's cast it and see what names you came up with, right. what you come up with. And MC Hammer, my stepfather, used to work for the A's. Okay. And so MC Hammer knew my dad. He was a bat boy. He was the bat boy. He, yeah. At first, he was a dancer out in the parking yeah. lot. And Charles Finley, the owner, called him Hammer. Exactly. Because he looked like Hammer and Hank Aaron. Yeah, that's right. And so when we made the call, I mentioned, you know, Sam Spear, my my stepfather, and he's like, oh, Sammy. So, you know, tried to assure him that we're not here to exploit you. We're here to help you. And so that's kind of so how it all kind of came together. So Robbie Van Winkle. Right. Vanilla right. Ice was running away from the Vanilla Ice for years. Sure. And so on that show... He goes to a karaoke bar. That's right. Were you there on and that? And Estrada. I, I actually wasn't there. At that time, I was having back surgery. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, I've had two back surgeries right. in my life. And unfortunately, that was one of them. Right. Okay. So he goes in that packed karaoke bar. Yep. Packed. And they're doing Ice Ice Baby. Ice Ice Baby. He didn't want to do it. And then he ends up taking the mic. Because who was it? Was it Eric Estrada or somebody... Talked him into like, hey, why are you running from yourself? Right, you know, just yeah. what he takes. They the, they love you for this. People yeah. went nuts. People went nuts, mm -hmm. and he started breaking free. And obviously, he's gone on tour, done a lot of shows. I saw him on Rachel Ray doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, my favorite show of his was uh, the Restoration the, one, the Amish show. Oh uh, yeah, Restoration, but yeah, he worked with the restore, Amish. Restore, yeah, dude. I thought that was a fucking him with the Amish. Sure, I thought it was fucking great. But yep. I mean, obviously, he was a, a talented builder. He knew stuff mm -hmm. and, and an artist. I think he did a lot of his own tattoo artwork and stuff mm -hmm. but yeah it was good you know i just love people getting a second chance i think all of america likes to come back sure and i didn't know why he was running away from it so hard and but i'm well, not him i mean i can understand that you know you 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 want to do something new you want to do something different but people love you yeah for what you've done right mm -hmm. you know and it just seems that the people who lean into it <laughs> you know actually are freer right be freer yeah and then Gary Coleman runs into Todd Bridges. <laughs> right. <laughs> at, the, at the play right there on Sunset. That yeah. was there for that. Yeah. Yeah. Was it still Ben Franks at the time or was it uh, Mel's Diner? Uh, I think it was Mel's. Was it? Yeah, Because that was originally Ben Franks. Yeah, it was Mel's. I knew the people that sold that was the biggest mistake of their professional careers. Right. Yeah, Ben Franks was the best. Is that what I, it was called before? Or ben was it Franks, yeah. Ben Franks? For, for 50 years. I really? Know, a long time. Ah. Yeah, after I got cast in L.A. Confidential, I was in the bathroom. I right. come out, and Curtis Hansen's in uh, the bathroom, the director yeah, of L.A. Confidential. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, hey, man, you know, thanks for the casting. And he goes, hey, man, you, you deserved it. So That's I, cool. I, I, I got a lot of work in that movie. Some of it got cut out. But I'm sitting there talking to him in the bathroom, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get the fuck out of here <laughs> before. This guy's going to try to fuck me. Yeah, right? Before, <laughs> before this guy 
fires me from the movie because I'm getting because fucking weird. Because you're creeping me out in the toilet. Can I go pee hey. in peace, please? Yeah. I mean, he was sitting on the toilet at the time. Right. No, he was just standing there washing his hand. I'm like, I'm getting out of the bathroom. I remember Nobody. sitting in the toilet at the Golden Eagle Awards and or peeing in the toilet and look over and there's uh, Norman Lear. Yeah. And I'm like, hi, Mr. Lear. And he's like, hello. <laughs> i was like i just love your work he was like thanks yeah <laughs> okay you got a hell of a stream mr yes exactly <laughs> i was like okay it probably wasn't the best timing yeah eric estrada man i ran into that dude a few times yeah, my my buddy was not an actor did a movie with him years ago called honey boy mm. my buddy was shooting baskets and he had early tattoos you know this is 40 years ago, he had some tattoos, and this guy comes up in the park, and he's shooting, my buddy shooting baskets with a cutoff sweatshirt, and he goes, he goes, hey, I'd like you to, you know, I'd like you to audition or be in this movie, and my buddy's like, my buddy grew up in Hollywood, we grew uh -huh. up in Hollywood, he's like, get the fuck out of here, and he goes, no, 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 I'm, I'm a director, he's like, get the fuck out of here, he was uh like 19, 20 years old, and he's like, this dude coming up to me, hey, I want you to be in a movie, and he's like, get the fuck out, he goes, no, no, here's my name. And back then, you had to call the Directors Guild. Right. My father was an actor, happened to know the guy's name. But uh. he called the Directors Guild, and they gave us credits. And he goes, okay. So we go down to the... Wow. They're filming the movie. They didn't have IMDb back then? No. <laughs> For real. We, we go down to the Olympic Auditorium. Yep. And Eric Estrada is his hustler from New York in this movie. And he's boxing. And so we go down there. There's a young Cassandra Peterson with her table, you know, selling Elvira stuff. Sure. Who knew who she was 1981? Yeah. Yep. Fucking beautiful. Anyway, so we go out in the parking lot, and he dribbles around with, I think it was uh, Jocko, the drummer from Sha Na Na. Oh, my God. And so since Jocko was in the union, he was going to have the lines, and Dave was just going to play basketball. And Eric Estrada really couldn't play. Sorry, Eric, you're always good to me. So every time he took a shot, Dave was behind him, you know, making the shot. But anyway, I, Eric Estrada was a, was a good dude. Wow. And he seemed like a good dude on the show, did he? Yeah. He, he didn't have any problems, no, right? No, yeah. no. Yeah. Just, you know, most everybody was, you know, it just got a little crazy, like, in seasons five and six. Yeah. It just got a little nuts. Yeah. What's your favorite experience, producing-wise? Um... Probably with the thing that I'm working on right now. Yeah. You know? Are you allowed to talk about it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. we're going to get to yeah. that. Yeah. We're get to that. <laughs> the movie that we're producing, I think, t to me, is the most impactful. And the reason why I think it's important. And if I have anything that I'm probably the most proud of in my career, it's this. So I guess we're going to go now, which is fine. I know the story. I want you to tell the story about being in Danville. Mm. and okay. walking into the walking into the library and deciding well you tell the story oh uh, yeah well what, what happened was i was up in danville visiting with my family my sister has two little boys that were just you know little 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 because they were it this was five years ago so they're six and eight now so you know one and what three and i wasn't working at the time and i was just kind of you know languishing around and i decided to go to the library just to go read just go sit read the newspaper and do whatever and i i look over and i see this book and it's got this picture of this astronaut on it and it's a latin dude and i'm like oh that's interesting so i pick it up and i look at it and 
I read the jacket and I'm like, wow, this is an interesting story. Like, why isn't this a movie? You know, it's mm -hmm. crazy. So I read the book and I get really excited and I'm like, wow, this is, this is really cool. And so I call my brother-in-law, who is also my producing partner. And I said, Benito, read this book. And so he read it and he's like, dude, this is, this is a movie, man. And I said, I know. I said, I got to find this guy. And so my aunt lives in Stockton, mm -hmm. which is where he's from, Jose Hernandez. And uh, so I, I called her and I said, how do I find this guy? And she goes, well, he's probably got, I think he's got like a consulting company or something here in Stockton. So I, I found it and I found an email for the company and I emailed him and nothing, nothing came back. So like a month goes by and I'm like, shit, you know, and, and then, so I, I re-email and I said, me and my producing partner, Benito Martinez from The Shield and da, 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 and, and I get an email back and he's like, hey, you know, yeah, let's talk. And so I schedule a phone call between the three of us. And now he obviously knows who Benito is, loves The Shield, loves my, my brother-in-law played the captain for eight years on The Shield. Mm-hmm with Mackie and all those guys. So long story short is he had just had a deal in Mexico expire, a three-year contract with a big director in Mexico, and they just couldn't get the financing together for this thing. Wow. And the option expired. And he said to me, he's like, you know, I was kind of waiting for this phone call. I just didn't know who was going to make it. And I said, well, I'm here I am. And so we ended up making a deal. It was a little bit different than normal deals because I didn't want to tie it up for three years for basically no money, you know, and and him not being able. So I, I agreed to do like this, almost like a step deal that I had to perform certain things. And if things were performed, like get an agent and then get it represented and, do, you know, uh, get a writer attached and da, 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 then it would automatically renew. And so... Jose had mentioned to me that one of the movies that he really likes is McFarlane. And it would be great if we can get the writer for McFarlane. Just so happens that Benito's really good friends with Patina, who's the writer. So we said, well, we'll work on it. And so we ended up calling Patina and she was swamped with a bunch of work. And, but she agreed to meet with us. And so we brought the book, met at Hugo's over here in Riverside and whatever, Coldwater. Coldwater. Yeah. And pitched her the, the story. And she's like, I'm in. This wow. Is, this is a yeah. great story. And for me, it's basically the Rocky of astronaut stories. Mm -hmm. A guy that just never gives up. For yeah. 11 years, he, he applied and was rejected. So from the time he was 30 until he was 41, he was rejected. And in the meantime, he's working as a, uh, an engineer at the Lawrence Livermore Lab. He's having kids. And not telling his wife that he's doing this until like year six. Yeah. And she only finds out because she finds the rejection letters. So he walks in and she's pissed and she's like, what are these? And he's like, uh, that's nothing. And she's like, what do you mean nothing? Jose, what, what is this? And he goes, well, I just thought I'd take a shot. She goes, shot. This is six shots for six years. Come on, man. Don't you think you're, if you're planning on going to space that your wife should know, yeah. And so 
she ends up helping him kind of go, okay, well, you've been rejected this many times. And his father gave him this plan that really changed the trajectory of their life. It's amazing how your life changes by little moments. And it just makes a huge difference years later. But she's like, what do they have that you don't have? He goes, well, they are all scuba diving instructors. They're all pilots. They're all fit. They all speak different languages. And, they, and so he started doing each one of those. And every year he'd get rejected until the 11th time. And she's like, no, 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 you're not sending, you're not mailing us in. You're taking it to Houston. Mm -hmm. So he jumps on a plane and goes to Houston. And the guy's like, Jose Hernandez is here. And, and Houston's like, what? He's here? The guy that's been doing it for 11 years? I'm like, he's here? <laughs> yeah. And so he gives like this great speech and uh, he ends up getting in. And without giving the story away, and then you know, eventually he ends up going to space. Wow! Right, but it's That's it's incredible. It's you know, the difference between him and his cousin is you know, his he has a father and a family that's supporting him. His cousin's kind of supporting the family himself because his dad's not there and his mom's sick, and, and their lives go like this. Yeah. You know. Mm. Do we want to talk Man. about how he grew up, or do you want to save that for the movie? Well, in the movie, it says he's the first Mexican American farm worker immigrant to uh to go to space because he's not the first latino to be in space right. but you don't start anywhere lower than where he started Living picking in, in the fields migrant yeah workers. migrant working in the fields and yeah. telling his dad at seven years old i want to be an astronaut and his dad more importantly not laughing and saying okay you want to do that mijo this is what you need to do you need to first figure out what's your goal how far you are from that goal you know, and he gave him this recipe that he still uses today. Which is fucking incredible. Wow. Man. It just breaks my heart that yeah. so many parents have laughed at their kids. And yeah, because the most discounted. Most people go, yeah, 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 okay. Even yeah. his wife. His wife, he, you know, they were talking when they were uh, dating, and she was like, you know, so what's your dream? He goes, be an astronaut. She laughs, and she goes, oh, you're serious? <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought you were joking. Well, then when she finds it, he goes, well, I mentioned it. She goes, you mentioned it. You mentioned it 10 years ago, and I thought you were joking. Right. You know? Yeah. Not yeah. serious. But to think a man who was living in a friggin' tent with his children said to his son, Yes. That you can do this. Yes. Especially yeah. when he was that young. Yes. I don't want to call it color barrier or whatever it was at that time. No Mexican American astronauts, I'm guessing, when he was seven. There was nothing and, and, in front to see that it was possible. And, and we've yeah. heard so many stories about parents telling kids, you can't do that. Right. You're black, you're Mexican. Right. Don't waste your time. Right. It's too hard. And, it, and the dad gave him a fucking... Mm -hmm. Wow. It just... I was lucky because my father, my stepfather, actually, he was in the horse racing business and had his own TV show in Northern California. And he had to put it all together. He had right. to sell the sponsorship. He had to do everything. So he always encouraged me just keep doing what you're doing right don't quit yeah. it's gonna be hard but don't quit just keep doing it just keep doing it and i just uh, i yeah. i didn't uh, i never had a plan b it was always this is what i wanted to do with my life yeah. And, yeah it's funny how the wisdom out of some of these folks my father's father is from ireland and he worked 53 years on the railroad my dad went to new york to become an actor my dad mm. worked regularly supported himself as an actor mm -hmm. then he was going to come out to hollywood and his father told him again he was a yard man for the boston Ra main railroad for 53 years wow. and he said bill your gift is your voice mm. you should stay in new york because he started radio you should stay in new york and work on that my dad was a you know was a tall good-looking man black mm -hmm. hair blue-eyed irishman 
and he uh, and he went to Hollywood, and the guys that stayed behind became millionaires. Wow. And it's funny because a lot of these guys, like Paul Freese, the voice of the mm. uh, Haunted Mansion at Disneyland, mm -hmm. these guys were like 5'2". Right. And they get, you <laughs> know, had these big, booming voices. Yeah, so they weren't Hollywood types. Right. But they stayed, you know, there was several of them that stayed and became millionaires. And this man, immigrant working in a, a railroad yard, was like, well, I think this is what you should do. Isn't it funny that some of these mm -hmm. parents that just... They just have wisdom for it. The good ones have wisdom for their children. My dad did all right. My dad just wanted to get a TV show so he could play golf. Right. That was his goal in life. <laughs> play golf? So, yeah. yeah. So make enough money to play golf. I never, anyway. But well, I just, I've always said in this movie that if it wasn't for Jose's father, his whole family would be, because his dad left home at 15 years old. Could you imagine being 15 years old, sneaking across the border, coming all the way up, not knowing a soul, having about 200 bucks in your pocket, and having a name written on a piece of paper that you don't know if it's even real or not, and you go all the way up to Stockton to find this person and ask for a job. And then slowly, as he got older, uh, his wife, and then they started having kids, and it started, and, and again, they were following the fields. They were following the fruit. Right. And so at some point, one of the teachers, Jose's teacher, intervenes and says, you have to stop moving. And he's like, we can't. How am I supposed to support my family? And she says, well, education is important. And he's like, it is. It's important to us. They don't work on the Saturday. Right. They don't work in the Saturday. Everybody else's kids work on Saturday. My kids don't work on Saturday. They're in the kitchen doing their homework. So I understand it's important. And she's like, but you don't understand. If you keep moving them, it's going to hurt them. And so eventually she gets through to the dad. You know, And the dad makes that decision. Okay, it's going to be hard. But how am I going to put food on the table for at that time seven people so five kids was, and the two of them okay so two or three of the sisters are engineers or they're all engineers there are, there's four kids and two adults six i think jose is an engineer the sister's not an engineer but she's in the math department at uop and then i think his two brothers are engineers yeah crazy did the dad and the dad has a third grade education Wow. Did the dad get to see Jose's Yeah, success? he's still alive. Okay. Still alive. Awesome. As a matter of fact, wow. did you see the Morello commercial that they did with Jose? Mm. You know the Morello commercials? And they always sure. they usually highlight like a Latino yeah. doing something incredible, an yeah. MMA fighter or something. And his is from the from the field to the stars. And it's Jose and his dad together wow. in the in the commercial together. That's incredible. Yeah. What part of the process are you in right now as far as we're about right. to start shooting about next shooting. next uh, Monday, which is awesome. why he's yeah. wearing wanna, a mask. That's why oh, I'm wearing yeah. a mask now because I don't want to test positive yeah. when I land. So. Congrats, that's incredible. Yeah, and what happened was we got Patina, and she put together a treatment. I didn't have the heart to ask her to write a script. I mean, it's just too much, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, for free. <laughs> yeah. So she wrote a 15-page treatment, and then our agent, because I was known for television. And I'm smart enough to realize that no one's going to write me a check for $30 million or whatever it costs to make the movie with a television background. So we had to find some producers to partner up with. And we've, we, we interviewed about six different places. And uh, we went with select films with a guy named Mark Chiardi, who's done, an, and Campbell Enos, who's done a great job. And they came in and recommended that we... Um, you know cut it from 15 pages to like 10 and then we went to the studios and 
all of us went. Jose, Bettina, me, Benito, Mark, Campbell, all of us paraded different studios and we got offers from three of them and Netflix bought it. So Netflix is the one that paid to have Bettina write the script. So she wrote the script. But Bettina's, unfortunately, Bettina's passed since and she didn't get to see that it's actually going to get made, which is really a bummer. But to make the story longer, something was missing from the script and it was the flavor it was our background it was my background it was the the music and the and the foods that i grew up with my grandmother and the cooking and the just the smells and it just it was structurally okay but it didn't have flavor and so we brought in a latino writer to come in and give it flavor and then uh once that was done we ended up going to directors and we found this great director alejandra and she polished it more and then we went to actors and got michael pena because jose has been from day one said you know michael pena would be great playing me <laughs> and so we're like yeah yeah, yeah okay we're gonna... well eventually michael pena signed on wow so it was all ready to go Man. this was back in october november we're all getting set we're getting ready we're gonna submit a budget da, 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 da. and we get a phone call from netflix that they're letting it go that there's changes happening in Netflix and da, 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 da. we were all like, oh my God, how do you get this far? And Mark's yeah. like, I've never seen this where it, a movie gets this far along. I mean, literally all we need is a check now. We could start working. Yeah. And so we were like really bummed out. And luckily for us, before that phone call, a week before that phone call, Alejandra, who's, who's been doing really well and, and making a name for herself here in Hollywood, she's from Mexico City. She had uh, a meal or lunch or a meeting with um, someone from Amazon and telling her about what this movie. And she's, and she's like, wow, what, that's something we would do. And she's like, well, I think they brought it to you and you guys passed or something. And so, well, when it went into turnaround, they immediately picked it up and it's as if it never stopped. And now we started casting and we literally start. we had a table read two days ago, which is killing me because I want to be down there now, but after I'm waiting for Benito to finish his show so we can both go down together. And so I was watching it on Zoom and everybody's in there and it's like, oh yeah. man, this is, I mean, it's, 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 it's like my vision of what I read coming to life. Right. Like it's, right. this is what I saw when I, that right. day in Danville, when I read the book, right. I was like, this is, this is it. It's yeah. coming alive, man. This uh. is the first time I've ever had that uh, i've had where i've designed shows but reality shows are different than what i think in my head you know right. with uh yeah. with the script and the story that's incredible so but i have a bunch of other stories that we're working on and yeah. stuff like that so and we were talking about you and bonita have, have now raising a child yes yeah it's a family member who is just too young and so we um, decided to adopt Thomas, and he has been uh, the light of our lives. Okay. Yeah. So you told me it's the greatest thing that ever happened. Ever. I mean, right. being a dad is probably the best thing that's ever happened to me. I mean, I've I've always been sort of in this business where you're you know you're you're always worried about how to take care of yourself, let mm -hmm. alone family members, mm -hmm. and. As I've gotten older, I've kind of mellowed out a little bit and been like, well, maybe you don't need a gazillion dollars to raise a child. <laughs> you know, you know, maybe you don't need, you know, all the stuff. And so it, it has been the greatest gift for me. Right. Yeah. 
Seems like things are coming together for yeah, you, Ricky uh, T. Well, it's, you know, like I said earlier, you know, you never know, even in the midst of chaos and what what seems to be a bad situation, all, somehow turns out better than you ever thought, dreamed possible. Right. You know, when I lost my job, when I, you know, lost the girl, when I lost the money, all of it, it all, anything, it all seemed to be uh, opportunities of growth. Right. Yeah. You know? Well, I yeah. can't wait to see what happens with you. And uh, thanks a lot for coming out, dude. I really appreciate it. It's been a great Thank day. You. Thank a great you. Great day. Yeah, thank, thank you, brother. Thank thanks, you. man.